Well, we've been uh, rewinding our way through the book of Romans. So to get a bit of a head start, we're going to refer to the book of Romans in a bit. If you'd like to find that in your Bibles, that'll be really helpful for you. But first, let me tell you about my Tuesday. I was walking from this stage to those doors and I got about two thirds of the way and I just found myself swaying in weariness not really feeling like putting one foot in front of the other. Have you ever been that tired where you've just felt like, man, I am spent. I have got nothing more to give. I'd just come back from conducting a funeral and the reason I was on stage was I was putting the keyboard back. And uh, I don't know if it's me getting older or the fact that I've only got one arm that works properly, but that thing was a lot heavier than I remembered it being. And after lugging it there and lugging it back and setting it up, I was just like, oh man, I'm done. But as I I walked back, I realised that it wasn't just being physically tired there was emotional weariness there was relational weariness spiritual weariness it's all kind of connected isn't it and most of you know what it feels like to be tired and it may have had a primarily spiritual cause or a primarily physical cause or maybe it was relationship stuff or maybe there was stresses at work whatever it might have been often there's one thing that's really leading the charge and wearing you out but it affects everything else and sometimes you get to those moments in life where you just go done got nothing left to give in this moment now if you've been there and you know what that feels like or if you can at least empathize and go yeah that must have been terrible then imagine if at that moment I had read this verse never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord what do you reckon I would have done with that thanks God for the guilt trip. <laughs> Didn't need it. I just want to go rest. But uh, it's actually a wonderfully life-giving verse. And it's phrased, I want you to notice, as a command. So it's not something is, I hope you feel like this. No, no, this is actually a command of Scripture. So regardless of what state I might find myself in, the Bible says this to me. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. First the negative, don't be lacking, then the positive. This is what you are to pursue, serving the Lord. And before we unpack what it means and why it can actually be life-giving and not soul-destroying in those kinds of moments, I just want to remind us of where we're up to in our rewind through the book of Romans because context is king. If you don't get where this verse occurs and why it is in the place that it is, you won't understand it the way God wants us to. So let's just touch base with what letter this verse is situated in and what's going on in it. And we're doing it a little bit unusually in that we're starting at the end and working our way back toward the middle. And there's a reason for that. Because in Romans we discover something about the church we want to be. As we read the end chapter and a half, you discover that there's this community of people that Paul names. He's never been there, but he knows a whole bunch of people who are there and he's heard about others who are there. And he just describes in Romans chapter 16 this wonderful team of people who are working hard together, not competing against one another, not vying for position, not trying to prove who's the best teacher or the best servant or the best uh, clothes maker or anything else that these people are doing because they love God and love people. They're just working together and flourishing as a church community. And Paul really commends them as he finishes off his letter. And then in the end of chapter 15, he talks about the principles that help him to engage well with a group of people who are also, like him, committed to service. And what we discovered about that, whoops, let me go that back there, is what Paul embodied 
and what he encouraged in others were this, was this kind of attitude. And we wanted to develop that ourselves. How do we be clear about and committed to our own calling? How do we see ourselves as part of a vibrant community of people who are all keeping their spiritual fervor and serving the Lord? How do we make sure that we're doing okay with that? How are we looking around at others and celebrating the way that God is at work in the lives of others and affirming that and relying on that in our lives? How are we trusting God to be at work in his sovereignty because he's the one who created us for good works? How do we trust that he's actually doing good things through us and through those he has joined us together with? Then last week, as we rewound back into the letter a bit, we saw some principles that will help us to answer that question. Uh, Some principles that will help us to avoid some of the traps that get in the way of this. Because let's face it, sometimes we have relationships in church with other Christians that aren't conducive to that. Uh, That kind of don't help us to feel clear and committed to our own calling. Sometimes we actually create doubts. Am I really a teacher? Because that person hates it when I teach. Am I really an encourager? Because that person never seems encouraged. Sometimes we can actually cause each other to be unsure of our own calling. And sometimes we look around at what other people are doing and say, I don't want to celebrate that at all. I'm not happy with how those people are living and how they're impacting the lives of others. So I don't want to um, celebrate and be confident about that person because I just don't feel it. So what do we do when our relationships with others in the body of Christ aren't helping us toward that goal? Well, Paul wrote about that in the next chapter and a half we looked at, which was last week, in chapters 14 and the first half of chapter 15. And he says this, Since every Christian has a God-given role to play in building up local congregations of believers who represent Christ to the world, these are the three things that we need to do. Number one, we must never tear each other down. Number two, instead we should build each other up in love And whatever we do, we should do it for the Lord. Now, do you notice what Paul repeats over and over again in in chapter 14 and 15? These principles aren't just said once. They're said in a number of different ways as you read through that whole section. What Paul says there is exactly the same as what he said in Romans 12 and verse 11. A negative, a positive, and where is your focus? It's on the Lord. So there's a pattern here in Paul's uh, description of how Christians ought to live. There are some things we need to avoid. There are some things we ought to strive for. And in all of that, we keep our attention on Jesus. And it's so critical for us to do that so we don't trip each other up. But last week I was uh, very open with you in saying, you know what, we need to make sure we're doing this so that we're not finding ourselves tearing each other down, getting all caught up in disputable matters that don't really mean as much as we think they do in the moment. How do we make sure that we're not tearing each other down, building each other up, focusing on everything that we do, do it for the Lord? That, that, That can help us not to trip over in how we're pursuing our calling to be a team that God is uh, making, uh, to be people who are confident and clear in our calling, uh, confident about the callings of others, celebrating each other and so on. But it still doesn't tell us where the power to do it comes from. It tells us what to avoid and what to do, but how are we going to find it in ourselves to do that if we're in that moment, like I described on Tuesday afternoon, where it's like, but I just don't have it in me right now. So that's where we need to rewind a little bit further. And we go back into Romans 12. So let's have a look again at Romans 12, 11. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on this verse. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and like this is a bit too much to ask of you at the moment, you're exactly the person who needs that verse. As much as you might read it and go, oh, 
don't know if I can handle that right now. You need to hear the verse, but you need to understand what it's saying. You're not the only person who needs it. In fact, that negative phrase that begins the verse, never be lacking in zeal, is not talking about the person who is worn out or discouraged or frustrated or disillusioned or anything else that might have been impacting them so that they're feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Actually, it's talking about the person who just can't be bothered. It's talking about somebody who's lazy, not somebody who's tired. So if you're feeling worn out, you're not disobeying the command to be lacking in zeal, even though you might feel very zealous in that moment. That's not for you. Uh, You don't need to obey that. You need some help with where you're at. We'll get to that in a moment. However, if you're somebody who is lazy, like you just can't be bothered, you're not interested, well, yes, that verse is deliberately speaking to you. Um, In the original language, it's saying, hey, don't fail to be diligent. Like, don't just wander through life and pay no attention to this. Hey, make sure that you are giving some thought to how you're serving God because it's right for you to do that and he asks you to do that. So if you're being lazy in service, well, yes, you don't need more help probably. In fact, you may already be getting too much help then is good for you. What you need to do is say, hey, as a follower of Jesus, I actually need to obey what he asks me to do. But regardless of where you're at, whether it's just that you're being disinterested and lazy and just feeling like, hey, I I need more help, I don't need to be helping others, and and that's not actually good for any of us, or whether you are somebody who's been giving a lot and just, man, I'm done, this verse says something really helpful to you as it continues through after saying what to avoid. Don't be disinterested, don't be lazy, don't be uncommitted, don't don't say you love people but don't really give give a fig about how they're going. No, don't be that person. Instead, and this is the bit for everybody, Keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. We should all, regardless of our story, keep our spiritual enthusiasm for service. So how do you do that? Where does that power come from? Well, it's right there in the verse. It's not our natural enthusiasm. It's not physical stamina. It's not an optimistic outlook. It's not saying do better in that moment. It's saying it's spiritual fervour. It's something that is received from God. The imagery of the phrase is really helpful. The word fervour there, um, it actually means, think about um, a kettle boiling on a stove. Is that kind of bubbling up with the energy that comes from the heat that is being transferred into it? Or think of a, uh, a light filament. Uh, if uh, those of you who don't solely use LEDs, because I don't know how they work, but you know the old-fashioned light filaments where you've got to have electricity running through that little bit of metal that's in the, the globe? Think about that. It's glowing brightly, but how can it do that? It's because of the energy that is running through it. That's what spiritual fervour is all about. Fervour means to be glowing brightly or bubbling away because you've got energy in you that's coming from somewhere. And where's it coming from? Well, that's where it was important that he said spiritual fervour. It's coming from God. It's received spiritually. Here's a really important aspect of service and life that we need to be 100% aware of and reminded of and committed to. The energy that you need in order to serve God, in whatever ways he's called you to do it, just to get up in the morning and be nice to the people that you are in contact with that day, to parent, to um, whatever it is that God's called you to do in any given moment of the day, the energy that you need to serve God in whatever capacity he's called you to do it is the energy that comes from God. And earlier in chapter 12, we're showing two ways that God provides this spiritual energy 
to us, this spiritual vitality. So we're going to rewind it a little bit further back to Romans 12 and verse 3. And read where this energy that God wants to give us so that we've actually got something in which to live and serve and thrive. Where does that come from? How do we receive it? Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now we might read that and again feel like we're reading a to-do list. For sure, we are being shown what we ought to do as the body of Christ. But notice that verse 6 does not say, there it is right at the top, it does not say we have different obligations according to the demands that God places upon us. It doesn't say that, does it? Does life feel like that sometimes? It does, doesn't it? And sometimes we can even read the life-giving words of Scripture and feel them as obligations and demands being made upon us. Or sometimes we can see a need around us and go, oh man, that's another demand. And it can feel like we're just running out of steam in doing what God wants us to do in the lives that we live. But what it actually says is this, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. God gives us gifts to use to bless others. And we use those in proportion to our faith. So the only time I should get up here and say anything is when? It's when I believe God's given me something to say. Because I first have to receive the gift in order to have something to offer others. If I don't have it in me to, to feel like I've received anything from God, then I shouldn't be up here saying anything. Has anyone ever made a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? They've poured the, the water out of the kettle, they've stirred it up and they've taken a swig... I'm not seeing a lot of nods. Am I the only person who does that early in the morning? It's, it's terrible. It, it, to have a lukewarm or a cold cuppa when you were expecting a hot one is just the worst thing ever. And if I jump up and I haven't had the energy of God building into me because I've received something to give to you guys, I should just stay seated. Because whatever it is I bring will be like that cold cuppa. I'll be like the light globe that you're hoping will light up a room and there's no light coming from it. It's just a dud. So you use a different light globe. We need to first receive something if we're going to have something to share. The answer is not, if you're feeling in that place of depletion, the answer is not to guts it out and serve more. The answer is how am I going to be in a position where I can be fired up by God? where I can be restored in this spiritual fervour so that there's some energy. Picture those molecules, and maybe it's a, a light globe burning, or maybe it's a pot of water boiling. Those molecules that have received that energy and then just pass that on to the, those they come into contact with. Unless I have been given that energy from God, I've got nothing for anyone else. Paul begins this section on spiritual gifts with these words back in from verse 3, and I'll reread them to you. For by the grace... 
given to me. Notice, for by the grace that was first given to me, so I'm just giving to you what God first gave to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I've got to admit, for most of my life, I've seen that again as my to-do list. Okay, so um, I belong to the others, the others belong to me. I need to make sure that I'm using my gifts. Okay, what are my gifts? Right, I've got to make sure I'm doing that. But notice how it starts. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. In other words, the focus isn't so much on what I need to do for others, but on how much I need others to do for me. I need you guys. I need to be connected to you because that's how God builds into me the things that he wants to do in my life that get me spiritually fervent and then give me the capacity to then do things for others as well. Does that make sense? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You can't do this on your own. You just don't have it in you. You need to receive from God what he wants to give you that will be of a blessing to others. And how does God do that? Well, we're a part of a body and it's got members and we're all helping each other. That's so, so important. I'm going to be honest, just for a moment. I've got a confession to make. I am not very good at letting other people serve me. It's not something I find easy. And I am even worse at asking for help. Anyone identify with that? There are a few of us. It's not everyone, but, but it is me. Last year I helped uh, Brendan, uh, who was doing a wedding for some friends, and I took PA system, set it up, ran it during the ceremony and so on. Saturday, uh, Sunday I was doing a wedding in the afternoon, and I didn't ask for any help. Didn't ask Brendan, didn't ask anyone else for that matter. Um, and so on the evenings where I'd kind of been woken up by my sore shoulder, what was I thinking about? running power leads and what happens if there's feedback and how am I going to do this. And, and so I was putting more stress in my life simply because I hadn't reached out and asked somebody who God has given the ability to do this stuff, somebody who's meant to be a blessing to me, I hadn't asked that person to help me. And not only did that mean that I was more burdened, but it meant I missed out on the opportunity and they missed out on the opportunity of working together and being a great team and flourishing in our service of God and our love for Jaden and Latoya who were being married that day. So in my pride or whatever else you might call it, I had actually gotten in the way of doing this. That's, that's an Achilles heel for me. Well, thankfully, um, Josiah was... Um, recruited at the last moment and he graciously offered to help and he and I had a great time serving together. He was a huge help, did most of the heavy lifting for me and I dropped him in here to the 6pm service on my way home and I got to hang around, chat to some people and I got to see some different ways that people were serving and I was so encouraged and then I left which was really hard to do but I went home and rested and I wasn't needed here. You know why? Because other parts of the body were doing their thing. That's what Romans 12 is talking about. Don't think that it always depends on you. You're a part of a body. It's meant to encourage you, to spur you on, to fire you up and to help you in all that you've been called to do in life. And we're not just talking about the church stuff, you know, the preparing communion or the getting up and speaking or the playing an instrument or greeting at the door. It's talking about life. Every part of life is service in some way. We're either serving God or serving ourselves. So it's talking about how we're helping each other with every aspect of who we are and what we do. 
Um, yesterday, I was uh, delighted to hear from Carolyn uh, after she got back from the Perth Women's Convention. And she had that opportunity just to get together with other ladies and to be fired up. And was so encouraged and built up by that. That's what we are called to do. Don't neglect the body. Be a part of how God wants to use it to fire you up and to keep you serving him well with energy and not to finding yourself depleted in life. But it's not the only thing that we are to do in order to have the spiritual vitality, in order to do well in life and in service. So briefly I'm going to touch base on the few verses that came before that. In Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2, really well known, says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I don't know about you, but the bit I jump to straight away is offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I need to give myself completely to God and that is 100% true. But what if I just skipped over? In view of God's mercy, who started this story? Let me give you a clue. What chapter are we reading? Chapter 12. The first 11 chapters of Romans have all been about what? God's mercy. We've heard a bit about it this morning, as Lucas shared from chapter 5. It's all about what God has done for us. And because we get to look at those 11 chapters and say, wow, isn't God amazing in all that he's done for us, then we get three chapters of instructions about what we should do in response. 11 v 3. Get the ratio? It's about what God's done for us. So how are we orienting our lives so that we are focusing on the incredible grace of God? Yes, as we've just been talking about, coming together with other believers and letting them serve us. That's one way we do that, but it's not the only way. How are you organising your life so that you are learning more about and loving more deeply and relying more completely on the mercy of God that is yours in Jesus? And we could go through those chapters and just list mercy after mercy after mercy after mercy that Paul writes about in those 11 chapters. We help each other to do it, yes, as a body, but we have our own responsibility as well. Is the mercy of God the central truth of your life? Do you find yourself drawn to give yourself in worship because you're so overwhelmed by the mercies of God? And it's not a chore for you, it's just the natural response. It's what you want to do because you've got a spiritual fervour in you that is being produced by what God has already done. Do you remember Jesus rebuking the Pharisees about the Sabbath? Do you remember what that was all about? He said, this day is meant to be for people, but you've made it that people have to serve the day. It's it's twisting it around. You're meant to have a day where you don't have to work, where you get to just celebrate the goodness of God and trust in him and depend on him and put him at the centre of your community life. What's that look like for you? Do you remember how often after busy periods of ministry, Jesus would take his followers and say, look, guys, we're out of here. Yeah, there's needs all around us. There's more people to heal. There's more people to deliver. There's more people who want teaching. But we're going to get out of here. We're going to rest. And we're going to spend time together. And we're going to recharge. That's what God loves to do for us. What's it looking like in your rhythm of life? How are you tuning in to what Jesus wants to do to give you what you need in order to make it through life? On Thursday morning, I had the privilege of uh, rocking up to another uh, church building uh, close by. And there was a bunch of other um, Christian leaders there. And we had communion together and we prayed. 
And it was one of those moments where in a busy week, it's just like, oh, thank you, Lord. That was just so energising. I feel like I go away wanting to do some things now instead of, oh, how much work I do today? You need those moments in your life too. So what are you doing to make sure that you are feeding on the mercies of God, finding your life centred on him again? What most helps your faith to grow as you focus on the mercies of God? Let me finish with the words that Paul wrote just before inviting us to uh, keep in view God's mercy so that we can give ourselves wholly to him in worship. At the end of Romans 11, we read, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? Can you keep that in mind? God's not asking you to, to kind of give all of you that you have for him as though he should then owe you one. He's already given you everything in Christ. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So maybe today is your moment to receive. Yes, as Christians, we are asked to serve, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to worship God, but we can't do it. Can you stop beating yourself up and asking more of yourself? First receive. God wants to impart his life to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to reassure you. He wants to allow you to know the presence of his Holy Spirit within you. He wants to surround you with people who can serve you in all kinds of different ways. Too many for me to name. But that's why he made the church. That's why he put his spirit in you. That's why he's given you his word. So let him produce in you a spiritual fervour today. And who knows, as that bubbles out of you, what that might look like. But start in the right place. Don't start with you. Let's pray. God, we sing a lot and we speak a lot of the grace of God, the mercies of God. But sometimes we live as though life depends on us and we can find ourselves, like I was on Tuesday and at many other times this week, we can find ourselves depleted, we can find ourselves worn out, we can find ourselves at the end of ourselves. But God, sometimes that's the place we need to get to in order to be reminded that you are the only one who can make life work. You are the one who supplies the energy that we need, the fervour that we need. It's not natural. It's not about our personality or our physical abilities or our resilience or our networks or our education or our thought patterns or anything like that. They, they all have a place to play. But the energy we need in order to make life work, to live and serve in the way that we've been called to, it all comes from you. So may we receive from you your grace today. May we be reminded in this quiet moment of your love for us, which as Luca reminded us earlier, is completely undeserved. You just give it to us. May we be reminded that Jesus came to save us, that we did nothing to save ourselves. We have been reconciled to you. We don't have to try and please you. You are pleased with us because Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Jesus has brought us into your family. Lord, we thank you for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit who is our living link to you. Thank you for the comfort and for the help and for the wisdom that he brings. May we learn to listen to your Holy Spirit 
especially in those moments when we know that we don't have it within ourselves. May we learn to listen to your spirit in those moments where we feel falsely confident in ourselves. And may you convict us of our need of you and our need of each other. God, would you cure us of the sort of pride that closes us off from the help we need from you and from each other? Lord, would you help us to be willing, not just to give that help to each other, but to receive it from each other? And God, as you do that, may Jesus be seen more clearly. May his mercies make a bigger and bigger difference in our lives. And we, may we have more to offer those around us, not anything of ourselves, but something of you. May you transform lives now and for eternity, we pray. Amen.